This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Granite Credit Union, their brand-new location here in Sugar House. It's their grand opening, 15th East, 2100 South, right across from Sugar House Park. Very easy to find. They've got a lot of uh, great promotions going on, Gordon, just to kind of let everybody know that they're here and they're in the community. They've got daily giveaways. We've got uh, food trucks, the... Churology food truck is right outside if you want to come uh, take advantage for that. Um, drawings for prizes, including a backyard entertainment package uh, featuring, featuring a cornhole set and a lifetime cooler. Uh, uh, let's see, they've got uh, a cowboy. There it is right there, by the way. Where? Can you see it? Over your left oh, shoulder. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, see the, the cornhole thing? Yeah, right, right yeah. There's one There's over here. There's one over here, too. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. So all sorts of great things, including, you know, auto loan rate as low as 1.99% uh, promos, uh, no payments for 90 days, like great stuff going on. Uh, find out more about it here at Granite Credit Union. Gordon. Jake, I just saw something on Twitter real quick that kind of surprised me. Okay. And maybe I haven't been paying close attention. But Dennis Dodd sent out a tweet that says, Brian Kelly is about to become the winningest and longest tenured coach at Notre Dame, passing... Newt Rockney. Wow. How'd that happen? He's been there for a long time? <laughs> okay. He's been there for a long time. Yes. Yes. I just hadn't been, you know, Newt Rockney? Who did wow. he replace? Did he replace Charlie Weiss? Was it that long ago? I guess it probably was. Am I missing a coach? I think he replaced Charlie Weiss. Well, you say it that way, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, Manti Teo was a long time ago, and he had already been there for a long time before mm. that. Yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of uh, Blue Blood programs. Gordon, let's get into this a little bit. And I uh, would, would encourage everybody to go read this entire piece because it really is interesting. But I, there was some stuff in there that I thought uh, stood out uh, into this article by Bruce Feldman that stood out uh, applicable uh, here locally. And, of course, Utah being in the Pac-12 South, USC, always relevant. But the, uh, the piece is headlined, How USC Crashed a Friggin' Ferrari, which is out of one of the quotes, by the way, uh, of talent and what it meant for the next head coach. So most of this is about USC falling off on the recruiting front and how that happened, which – in and of itself, I think, is an interesting story. Well, usually there's some sort of rupture between the coaching staff and high school coaches. I'm assuming that's a part of what, uh, what, you were, what he was writing. Well, about. he talked to a bunch of different sources, including high school coaches, former assistants, people close to the program. Um, I can't remember. Uh, it's in here how many pe- exactly people he talked to, but it was a lot. And so there are quotes in here, a lot of anonymous quotes uh, in here as well. Uh, But when Pete Carroll left and they hired Lane Kiffin, Lane replicated a lot of the formula that worked for Pete. Bringing back Ed Ogeron, for instance. And it was basically that he didn't care so much about the position coaching as much as could you recruit. That was the focus 
and uh, they continued to dominate recruiting, and we saw some good classes and that sort of thing after that. But It would seem to me like those two things would be so intertwined. How can you be a good recruiter if you're a lousy coach? Well, because, you, I mean, if you're a good engineer, why are you a bad salesman? But, I mean, it's, but, I mean why, would, why would a family or an, an individual athlete be duped by somebody who isn't very good at his job? Namely, explaining to that player how he can become better. I don't know. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors? I mean, I think it's a matter of priority. I mean, they in this article, they get into how they hired Clancy Pendergast. Clay Hilton did, and this is down the road a little bit. And Clancy had no interest in recruiting whatsoever, just to be the defensive guy. He just didn't want to coach, didn't want to recruit. But that's not how Pete Carroll did it. And Lane carried that on, and then it didn't work out with, for Lane for other reasons, and they hire Sarkeesian. And this is what I thought was interesting. Sark brought his staff from Washington and clean house a little bit. Not totally, but he brought his staff from Washington, which wasn't necessarily a USC staff, right? But Sark is from down that right, way. Right, right, right. But when he went to Washington, he didn't take a bunch of people with him because they were Pete's guys, right? So okay. he had to do his own thing up in Washington, and they brought most of those guys back. So that's when the priorities started to change a little bit. And then when Steve left abruptly, uh, Clay Hilton came in, and that got put on kind of steroids, where they, they had created this culture where they felt like they had arrived and didn't have to worry about the recruiting. And basically that Hilton made a bunch of really bad coaching hires because they didn't recreate what Pete Carroll made for success uh -huh. so but this brings me to a couple of things that i th find interesting here locally they talked about some of the recruiting classes and how well some of those classes still had x amount of blue chips yeah. but didn't end up producing x amount of nfl players and so i thought this was interesting for uh, or relevant to to some of the discussions we've had i'll just read right from it real quick here gordon and curious to get your thoughts um in some instances, the Trojans signed players who were simply overrated by the recruiting services. Uh, quote, they're overranked, unquote. The parent of a former Trojan and current NFL player said, quote, and then the machine perpetuate, uh, perpetuates it because they go, hey, who has the most five stars? Everyone wants to have the most five-star athletes. It doesn't matter if a guy is a five-star or not. So they get all these guys on their team, but they're not good football players. It goes on, quote, USC always is going to be ranked in top ten in recruiting, but that's because when you commit to USC, you're all of a sudden a great recruit, <laughs> one of the former assistants said. Quote, we had coaches in the building who knew the guys at recruit the recruiting sites, and they'd call them and say, hey, hey, I need you to rate this kid as a four-star before I take his commitment. That's the way that stuff works. Uh, another quote, quote, if we signed 25 guys, there were 10 of them that were that way. We had so many four- and five-star guys who were just terrible. We signed one five-star linebacker, and he would have been a really good player 30 years ago when it was just going from A-gap to A-gap, but not these days when you got to go tackle when you got to go tackle perimeter screens now and go sideline to sideline. Look, look at all those cats that Alabama is running around with. Saban turns down 10 five-stars a year because because he knows they're not good enough, unquote. Man, that is telling, isn't it? And well, you're right. You and I have talked a lot about that. And it's true. It's true. <laughs> USC comes around, all oh, this kid, well, let's uh, bump him up to four stars. You know? 
it's about it's about taking the right guys. I thought that point about Alabama at the end was particularly well, astute. What that tells me is that somebody's not paying attention when they go on these recruiting visits. If you go to a school and watch a kid play, you can't depend on what some some recruiting service is what they're saying about him. You have to observe him yourself and come to the right conclusion about whether the dude fits your program or not. Here's where Coach Witt and Coach Itake, for that matter, uh, really Coach Anderson, may have a little bit of a luxury, is they're not going to keep or lose their job based on recruiting rankings because it's just not the, the, the programs around here. At USC, that might be a factor that they have to worry about. But maybe programs around here can identify guys they like and that fit and don't have that pressure of, well, how many five-star guys did you get? Yeah. Here at USC, how many did you get? To the point where they're actually manipulating yeah. it. Uh-huh. to take that pressure off of themselves. It doesn't really help if they can't play. We know this guy stinks, <laughs> but you've got to rate him a four-star because he's got to rank that for me to get his I mean, commitment. That, go to a school, watch a kid play, evaluate whether he can play and whether he's a good fit for you, and then use your own judgment. See, this gets back to cutting corners. Yeah, This gets back to... Not not being a good football coach, not being able to recognize good talent. I got to give Kalani Sataki a lot of credit for what they do down at BYU. Think about the the the, the average rating for the Cougars has not been particularly high. We've seen them what in the seventies and eighties. That's because they don't matter for these reasons yeah. we're talking about. They, and, and yet those guys find who well maybe they're not under the pressure. Oh, I got to get a four and five stars, but. Still, you got to be able to evaluate with your own eyeballs whether a kid can play or not. And then they bring them into the program and they develop them well. I mean, i got to admit, I underestimated the level of talent in BYU's program. I mean, they have some athletes there. And just because some recruiting service said they didn't, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. What happens is when you're on the field. Yeah. I think uh, Kyle Whittingham has been a really good recruiter, too, and those guys are good evaluators of talent. Well, Coach Witt, of course, is is really good at projecting. Yeah, and then being able to put him in the right, right. slot. I mean, it, they, that's a real gift for him that has continued to pay off over and over again. And true that they mostly go from offense to defense, but he's got a really good job of, of looking at a, a, at a high school safety and going, that's a, a defensive end for my program in two three years you know he's he's got a real talent for that projection some of that desperation because they can't get the five stars they got clark phillips he was a four star right he has to dig a little utah has to dig a little more because they're utah and because they're not usc they still need good players you know if those don't have to be the five star marquees and that's i i think that's the point that a lot of these folks are making or that bruce makes a lot in this is that SEC programs and Oregon specifically have out-recruited USC, but you wouldn't know it unless you were actually paying attention, right? Because you see that USC still gets these guys who then all of a sudden are four and five star guys because USC got them. Where truly they missed on, uh, um, oh my gosh, who's who's Kayvon, uh What's his last name? A defensive end in Oregon. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh- uh, I know. I, just I know was exactly who you're talking now. about. Thibodeau? Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Thank you very much. Who was, uh, you know, like the guy coming out of California, the guarantee guy to go to USC, going to Oregon now. Yeah, and, they, and that's uh, it's not the only case. There's a whole bunch of them. Right. Uh, just the most relevant at the moment. But, but see, I think that's why people who say he's a good recruiter, 
Well, that'll backfire on you after a while because players know and players will pass along to their to the people that coming up behind him, who's a good coach and who isn't. This whole idea that, oh, he's a good salesperson. He goes out there and he wins the recruiting uh, in the living room, you know, and he, the parents love him. That That's okay. That might work once or twice or three or four times, but the next generation of players are going to hear about it, and they're going to think, oh, yeah, he's a really good recruiter, but he's a lousy coach. That's why that's so important. See, that, see I, Because I, then you get you get the players, and even if if he is uh, overrated, then you can at least coach him up to the point where it can help your program one way or the other. But if you don't have that skill, then you're you're lost. Man. See, it's kind of funny that that's that's I don't want to say the opposite of the point that they're making in in the athletic piece, because I don't know that they're entirely out to really make one definitive point. But their point is, is that who cares if you could coach if you could get Kayvon Thibodeau on your team? And that's that's where USC is really missing out is that they hired guys who were above recruiting and who cares if they were football geniuses or not. The players that make a difference went somewhere else. That's true as long as they really do make a difference as oh. opposed to just someone assigning that. And, and again, that goes back to talent evaluation. Right, right, you, you've right. got to know. But everybody in the country evaluated that Kayvon Thibodeau was going to be yeah. an absolute superstar. You know, that was a no-brainer. And where they used to get those guys, now they're fabricating five-star guys. All right. Yeah. Instead of those guys automatically going to USC, they're getting out-recruited and, in a sense, putting lipstick on a pig because they're USC. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, obviously, if you're going to be a, a position coach at a place like USC, you probably ought to know how to coach a little football. But the point is, is that your main job when you're at USC, you know, when Norm Chow was bringing up Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, you think those two's job was to coach football? Heck no. It was to go land Norm guys. Maybe, but, uh, but I think there's more... <laughs> Similar territory there than what, the way we're making it sound. Uh, you've got to be able to evaluate and get the right guys, regardless of what uh, how highly thought of they are. Yeah, but Reggie Bush was a no-brainer. I mean, he was so good that Alex Smith and Todd Watkins didn't get a sniff because they never let him play because Reggie Bush had the ball in his hand the whole time. The point is, is that Reggie was always going to USC, and now he's going to Alabama or Oregon or wherever. And that USC doesn't have the aura it used to have. Yeah. And on that point, uh, let me get to this part because okay. I, I wanted to play a little game with you here. Right. Okay. Uh, they're talking about how USC behaves like USC but doesn't necessarily play like USC. That's kind of the theme in this part of the, the piece. All right. Says, uh, it, I'll read right from it. It's also something that other Pac-12 coaches have taken note of as well. Seeing an undisciplined team uh, built on false bravado. Quote. You watch how they behave out there on the field, said one Pac-12 South coach. I want you to think about who this coach might okay. be. That's the, yeah. uh, they, this coach goes on. We've heard about the bad locker room and that they're allowed to do whatever they want, acting like jackasses on the field, <laughs> unquote. Okay, so think about that. We can come back to that because there's, there's more here. Other Pac-12 coaches point to USC chasing uh, recruiting stars and recruiting the kids who are, according to uh, a high school coach, quote, not winners, as well as opting for a style of play that was far removed 
from what had been in USC's DNA, a program which used to pride itself on physical football. Quote, they've lost it in the trenches, unquote, said one Pac-12 North coach. Quote, if you want to win a championship, you've got to be able to run the football and be physical up front. And they can't, and they're not. Part of that was going to the air raid, because if you're going to that, you've got to buy into the mentality and be all in. Well, it might look good, and you might have good stats, but that changes the mentality of your team. USC turns soft. It just is what it is, unquote. Well, okay. I think that's the middle ground of, the, of another argument you and I have had, and that is, yeah, you've got to be physical, and you can get great linemen at USC, at least theoretically. At no point did I think the air raid is the particular best choice, but you can play a pro style where you do uh, have some passing without just going student body left, student body right. Well, our whole discussion was whether or not the air raid was a good idea for USC. I thought it was a terrible idea. You thought it was a good idea. I'm not necessarily. I didn't say it was a good idea. I said you're running back you. Why would you go away from that? Well, That's I mean, exactly but, but, what this coach well, is saying. I understand that, Jake, but you can still, if you get the right quarterback and you get great receivers like USC typically does, then you can still win games. But you have to change your mentality. Well, That's maybe, but you still get good linemen. You still have to protect the passer. You have to open some holes for running backs. I'm just, I, what I'm saying is you don't have to go back to the days of Mike Garrett where you're just tossing the ball back to the tailback play after play after play. Uh, that, that was my point. But this whole idea about recruiting players who aren't tough in the trenches, man, that'll get you beat. But that, that, that's no way you're going to win titles or, or championships with that kind of thing going on. But my point always was, Gordon, regardless of your point, my point always was you are USC. You are bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else you play. So why would you install some cutesy finesse crap when that works in Pullman? Because you can't get somebody who's bigger, stronger, faster up there. At USC, you have your pick of the litter. And what works in USC, uh, what works in football when you're bigger, stronger, faster than the other guys has worked forever, and that's run the ball and stop the run, just okay, like Coach Witt always talks you, about. And you, if you're USC and you can do that every game, you can why justify, would you do something you else? You can justify it that way, but maybe they're not getting the pick of the litter. They should, and that's where our, our arguments can beat a little bit here, is that what happened under Clay Helton should not happen at USC because let's face it Gordon we argue about this some too there are places where the job is more blessed than others it's easier to win at some places than it is at others which means there's there should be less tolerance for error at some places than others sure and I would absolutely throw USC into the category of having a very narrow margin for error because it's easy to win there yeah, but I see. I don't. I don't focus so much on style of play as much as I do on getting good athletes and then coaching them properly so that they can execute on the field. Whether you're throwing the ball or running the ball, it doesn't really matter. Get the good athletes, coach them up, and let them perform. That, that's what I think. And so I don't care what style of offense they're running, as long as you have tough linemen and you have skilled, you know, talented skill players, then you're in good shape. I think it matters what style you're playing at USC. I thought it mattered when they were doing it, when they were going to the, when they first hired uh, Clifford Kingsbury and then shortly after. I don't know, because now this is Graham Harrell. I thought it was a terrible idea. contradicting what you said when I said that that's what Nick Saban 
was preaching, that they needed explosive plays, not just playing tough defense and running the football. Because, and you said, well, Nick Saban can get all the five stars he wants. So can USC. You'd think so. That's why it makes it inexcusable. But I don't. I don't think you. The whole argument there was that's what you have to do to win in modern college football, and I don't agree with that. I think it's easy for Nick Saban to have that opinion, and he doesn't run an air raid offense. Necessarily. Well, he doesn't, yeah. but he knows he has to be able to throw the football. So I mean, but but all right, back to the guessing game because because we can go on like this forever. Is that Coach Witt, the anonymous Pac-12 South coach that said this about USC? Quote, you watch how they behave out there on the field. We've heard about the bad locker room and that they're allowed to do whatever they want, acting like jackasses on the field, unquote. <laughs> I have no idea whether okay, that's so I'm going, I'm going with no because I can't see Coach Witt using the word jackasses. It does seem a little out of his uh, wheelhouse. Uh, I don't know. Like not that I couldn't see Coach Witt cursing. In fact, I think I've heard Coach Witt cursing. It, it, I just don't see jackass being his particular go-to curse it's, it's word more, if he cursed at all. Yeah, it's more it old-school coachy, right? It feels herm to me. Yeah. Old school. It <laughs> yeah. feels very herm to me. Because the guy at, the guy at Arizona is too new to, to say anything as bold as that. And Carl Durrell... I don't know. I don't know the man well. Interviewed him a couple times, but he seems a little m- more mild-mannered. But than he using did play at UCLA. He did play at UCLA, so there, there's an interesting thought. <laughs> I, maybe it could be it could be Chip. Yeah, could be. I could see Chip going to the jackass card. I I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> not wit though. I don't well, think that doesn't. Do you think that Kyle Whittingham has never used the word jackass? It doesn't sound like a go-to for wit. Mm. I'm not sure. What do you know? How do you know what his go-tos are? I don't know. I feel like he'd be a little bit more. He was a little too frank for yeah. Wit to yeah. be saying I think that. It would be... Yeah, but he's off the record. Yeah, it's still Wit. He's paranoid. Still, it is still Wit. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to give a reporter that much. I'm going likelihood. Herm one, <laughs> ship two, Wit three, Darrell four. And Frisch five, because he just should shut his pie hole until he wins a game. Uh, that's funny. I don't know. And were Feldman and Herm at ESPN at the same time? Hmm. We don't know, Jake. Hmm. We don't know. Hmm. Let's not get too specific here, because we're all guessing. All right, we're live here at Granite Credit Union. But I, it really was a great piece. Read the whole thing at The Athletic. Our guy Bruce Feldman did it. But I thought those two parts that we kind of read over were particularly interesting and relevant to discussions that you and I have had. No, what you were really trying to do is prove to me that you were right and I was wrong. No. And I obviously no. was very no. easily wriggled off that hook. No, I did not do such a thing. That's what we were doing now, there, Austin. That's what that was all I about. I did when I initially read it this morning, thought, wow, that does stand out. <laughs> it's a, but you missed the whole point. I did not miss the whole point. Yeah, you, you missed the whole point. No, you missed the point, my friend, because it's not the style of play. It's the caliber of athlete you recruit. Let me see here. Let me. But you can't play soft let football. Me, let me. Whether you're throwing a ball or, or running it. They've lost in the trenches. If you want to win championships, you've got to be able to run the football and be physical up front. And they can't. 
and they're not. Who, Part who? of that was going to the air raid because if you're going to that, you got to buy into that mentality and be all in. Well, it might look good, and you might have good stats, but that changes the mentality See, of your team. USC a, turns soft. That doesn't It prove. just is that what it is. That, that, all, that is on all the of that, nose. All of that is true. That yeah, could I have mean, been my did, quote at, from at last what, year. At what point did he say, no, you, you don't have to throw the ball? No, he didn't say that. Obviously, you have to be able to run the ball. Everybody has to run the ball. And whoever said that, if you're interpreting it that way, then you think whoever said that is smarter than Nick Saban. That's exactly that quote is basically what I said two years ago. No, you, you said called me you crazy. said I student said, body left, student body I said, right. Why would you go away from what makes USC USC? That was my entire point. Spare me what, the student what, body. What, I don't even what, know what that is. Even, and you keep talking about even that. Team, even the NFL teams have gone to explosive offenses. Well, the NFL, the rules are much different, and the players are much better. We're well, talking- I mean, yeah. So if you get the best players, it doesn't matter what style offense you run. Well, thank you, Mr. You have to open it up to win in modern college football. Yeah, you can do any style. Okay, so, who, so who's going to do True. that and win? Who's going to do what and win? USC. Not, not throw the ball well. Gordon, did they not throw the ball well with Matt Leinart? I was still a running team. That was still that, a pro-style USC was such a, team. That's such a lame argument. That's got nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Who cares what they did with Matt Leinart? That doesn't mean that that's now imprinted in such a way that everyone has to do it that way. Sure worked at USC, though. Get the it? best athletes. Yes, be tough in the trenches. And, and get the best athletes, and you can do whatever you want. We're here at Granite Credit Union, their brand-new Sugar House location, Grand opening, 15th East and 21st South here in Salt Lake, uh, just north of Sugar House Park. Come on by and see us. We'll have more next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Tampa Bay. That defense, is that championship-level defense? They've given up a lot of points through two games. Without a doubt. You can't convince me that Tampa could go into Green Bay. The quarterback can throw three interceptions and still walk out of there with a win if they didn't have a good defense. The defense won last year's Super Bowl for him. I know what Brady did. I'm not trying to take away from his shine. One thing I would definitely tip my hat to, and unfortunately have to, is the fact that they were able to keep their entire team together. After winning a Super Bowl, I don't remember if that's ever been done before. So, you know, just as strong as ever. And if they don't lose this week against the Rams, I have a hard time figuring out when they're going to drop one. They could very well go through the season unscathed. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For the best college football coverage in Utah, this is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update here on the big show. Here is a BYU fullback when he came on with us on Tuesdays for a part of Wake's Takes. Mason Wake telling us how they plan on rolling the momentum of 3-0 start against the, into this weekend's game. 
There's a bunch of things that go into play to that, but I'd say coming in on a Monday after a big win and then playing a team like USF, which they're, they're a good team and they're physical and they'll be a good opponent, but BYU has a history of playing in big games and winning big games and then next week laying an egg. I think when you have a head coach that comes in a couple days after our first meeting after the game and he's just intense yesterday and he just harps on all the time, just keep that energy. Like anyone can beat anyone. I mean, yeah, just having a coach be intense after a good win and not even really talking about the win. He was just talking about life. It's just easy to go out and play hard for a coach that you love. This update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks working from home or with a hybrid workforce. Get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. The Utes kick off Pac-12 play with a battle against the Washington State Cougars. Your home for the best coverage of Ute football is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. It is the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to say thanks to the title sponsor of The Big Show. That's Big O. Stop uh, into your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price tires and pay nothing today. Options, Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're here at Granite Credit Union, Gordon, 15th East, 21st South. It's their grand opening. Still have a food truck outside. Churology. Come by and get a churro. <laughs> I want you to go get one. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if I I could go out and uh, and get my chair on. I suppose. Uh, I want you to. I want to. I want to see the pleasure on your face as you consume that churro. All right. And then I'll uh, I'll express my opinion while you're eating it. I don't think we'll do that, but uh, <laughs> Take I, may, your time. I may have a churro maybe, <laughs> but I don't know if we'll be doing that. Megan will sit in for you. You go ahead and enjoy it. <laughs> Full, you tried to get rid of me already, Gordon. <laughs> Full financial services here at uh, Granite Credit Union. Savings and checking accounts, auto, visa, and mortgage loans. Mm, nice. I got my first auto loan from Granite Credit Union. These are really, yeah. Isn't this a beautiful spot, man? Yeah, That's their it. new branches are really cool. Indeed. Yeah, they're doing a great Pleasant job. Pleasant place to be. And they want to uh, kind of open it up let the community know that they're here. They've got drawings for prizes, a backyard entertainment package featuring a cornhole set and a lifetime cooler, all sorts of good stuff. So uh, get on out here you, to Granite Credit Union. Are you in need of a car loan or are you all set in that regard for a I, while? I'm good for the moment, uh, actually. But uh, You'll need to be buying cars for Sadie and Maggie. You mean <clears throat> they're going to need to be getting cars for themselves? <laughs> Either way. Yeah, either way yeah, yeah. yeah great point either way granite credit union uh is is uh is the way to go did your parents give you a car uh i got uh my old man's hand-me-down uh and he got a new car but i <laughs> i crashed that hand-me-down oh you did pretty quick uh, yeah. and so what happened then a couple of months in a couple of months yeah a couple of months in oh, i crashed man. it good too it was it was gone 
so what did you do after that? Uh, my old man said uh, you can do whatever you want with uh, with the insurance that comes in because that's what insurance is for. And uh, I took that meager amount and bought myself a. Uh, a uh, I've told Austin about this before, but it was a a Civic, a Honda Civic, a '93 uh-huh. Honda Civic. And what I year think? are we talking at this that you bought? This it? is in oh, it had to be an older '93 because we were talking about like. It had to be in the 80s. It had to be like an 87 or 88 Honda. So anyway, this, this, we're talking about we're talking about this about the year 97, and the car was about 10 years old. So okay. probably maybe maybe a, a little bit newer. But the car was the most impractical car ever because it had. What did you get? So it was a Civic uh-huh. hatchback. How was that impressive? And it, it had tri-spoke rims for some reason. It had a mirrored gas cap, which was really weird. It was bright teal. <laughs> it had a power sunroof. But here's the kicker. The power sunroof was the only power part of the car. So the windows were manual. What? The transition was manual. The steering was non-powered. Well, I've never seen a crank... Uh sunroof before so maybe that's why you haven't i've seen that have you really oh yeah i've seen is, it, is there like a dial yeah uh-huh you've never seen that almost on the sunroof on the sunroof i've seen that for sure wow but anyway it was it was quite the interesting car for I'm, sure it lasted me for a long time i've always had great respect for people who buy whatever car they buy you know you get a loan from granite whatever you know uh, what's that? What's that percentage on the loan these days? Oh, see the car loan. It's under uh, two. Yeah, it's Let me get out of one point nine nine percent. Yeah, I mean, okay. So you go out and get yourself a car, and let's say you can't. Uh, your budget is a little tight. You can't get some fancy car, and so you get a ten-year-old car or something. But I've known people who've done that who take such good care of that car, and they treat it like it's 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 a real whip. You know what I mean? It's 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 uh, something to c- take great pride in, and I I respect that. Jake, you probably bought the car and then just absolutely trashed it. But I had a friend who had this was back in the uh, when was this? In the early '80s, and he had he had a lime green Volkswagen something or other. It wasn't the Bug, but it was some model they had back then, and it was lime green. And you get in that car, Jake, and it was in pristine condition. Why? Because he took pride in it. It was his baby. It was a piece of junk, but it was his baby. And he treated it like that. I I think that's cool. I like it. So much so you just called it a piece of junk. Well, I mean... (laughs) It was it was anything but a it fancy was, car. It was so cool that he'd care so much about something so meager. No, no, he no. That's not the point. That's not the point. Sounds like it. it. I mean, it was. I just I love the way he treasured that car and the way he took care of it. Even it, lime it, green on the outside, black on the inside, and just you know, not 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 what you would consider. A car that would uh, turn your head in any positive way. You, so you admire it in the same way as somebody who wears the same bathrobe for 30 years and just <laughs> sews the holes up. No, no. You no, know, it's a piece no, of crap in a rag, no, but boy, it no. is admirable that, that you put so much effort into but, keeping it going. But uh, that, but he kept it in good shape. You know, the soda bathrobe might have patches in it. Oh, isn't that so cute? He loves his bathrobe so much. (laughs) He just takes such good care of it. 
I Do like... you clean it every week? He did. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> Why'd you call it a piece of crap? Well, I mean, I it's so cute that he takes such good care of it such a piece of crap. It wasn't a piece of crap from a standpoint of looking like a piece of crap. It was a piece of crap inherently. He, I mean, he kept it in terrific condition. Randy, nice work on that. <clears throat> so anyway. And I've always respected that. You know, I like old cars. I like to see an old car well kept. Even if it's a piece of crap? <laughs> Especially. <laughs> this segment made no sense. Uh, but that's good sometimes. You know, that's good. Uh, we found out, though, we got some good news before the segment started. We were just talking about Bruce Feldman and his great piece on USC football. Uh-huh. Bruce is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Bingo. Yeah, Austin did something drastic, like uh, uh, I Called don't know, him up. like like hacked Bruce's calendar Gordon. and rearranged some things. Gordon, so. you might need to uh, clear your summer. You might be ghostwriting someone's autobiography next year. Yeah. Oh, the Bruce Feldman story <laughs> for yeah. free. Did Austin add that for free? <laughs> well, not for free. He's, he's going to be. What is Austin my agent? He's coming on the show, yeah. so. So he's going to jump on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour again. Austin hacked into Bruce's calendar and moved around some stuff. Nice. Bruce looked down and goes, oh, I do have an opening at 5. <laughs> sure. Be happy to come on. Good job, Austin. That's why he's the best in the My business. thanks to the Apple company. Yeah. So we want him on because I think he agrees with me and you think he agrees with you. So we definitely want Well, him he wasn't on. expressing an opinion. He was expressing others' opinions that he talked to yes. that 100% agree. Did, did we custody. draw whatever conclusion we want out Which of that? I have no idea how you would draw the conclusion <laughs> that you're drawing. You're just completely rewriting history. That's okay. That's why we love you. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, live from Granite Credit Union here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys, Jake here for my friends at Peach Window and Door. They are a locally owned and operated company. They are passionate Utah Jazz fans, and they want to get the word out to Zone listeners about the business they've built and are so incredibly proud of. They've been Utah's premier window and door retailer since 1993. They combine beauty and technology, and custom is what they do. If you can dream it, they can do it. Uh, our friend Cindy, who is just so wonderful of Peach, uh, wants you to find out. Log on. Go to peachbuildingproducts.com and find out why they have uh, so many five-star reviews on Google. The answer is they talk to people. If you call them, they answer. They speak with you. Customer service is what they do. The customer is the most important part of the whole thing, uh, which, of course, is rare in today's business climate. They don't do high-pressure sales. Again, their whole priority is to get you what you want. No subcontractors, no ghosting. They'll sell you windows. They're cruise installers.
install those windows and they back it up with guarantees designed to bring peace of mind to satisfied customers. They offer 0% interest financing. Uh, They have free in-home estimates. Get the ball rolling today. You can go to peachbuildingproducts.com. That's peachbuildingproducts.com. You can call them. Schedule one of those free estimates, 801-566-1255. 801-566-1255, or simply go by their beautiful showroom, see it in person, 2940 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. That's my friends at Peach Window and Door. For the best college football coverage in Utah, this is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utes at 50 update. Here is quarterback Cam Rising. He was asked what changed for Utah's offense in the comeback uh, against San Diego State. It was rough from the start. You know, he did not come out and execute and play football like we play football. And we shot ourselves in the foot and it put us in a bad situation. And we just had to battle back. And that's pretty much what we tried to do and try to get accomplished at that point. This update brought to you by our friends at The Warehouse. Meet the great Gordon Monson this Friday at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. He'll have glossies and a Sharpie. Not to mention prices so low to blow your mind. Well, I'm Gordon co- There's a number of other fellows there. Yourself. Oh, included. Coach yeah. Mack and Alema. Yes, they will be there as well. It's the warehouse. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. The Zone is giving away tickets to every Utah, BYU, Utah State, and Weber State home game all season long. Listen for your chance to win tickets to see the teams you're passionate about right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Granite Credit Union, their brand new Sugar House location. It's the grand opening, 15th East and 21st South. Right now, it's time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how the markets do today? The markets were smooth today, Jake. The Dow was up uh, 506 points. If I handed you 3600 bucks right now, you'd probably kiss me. <laughs> the NASDAQ was up uh, 1%, up 155 points. That looks good. And the S&P was up uh, just over 53 points. Thank goodness the donkey was there. Good day. <laughs> good day for the markets. Rebounding from the trouble earlier few days ago <laughs> what was what were we talking about i honestly the, the don't donkey? remember that, i don't know play that one more time will you Austin? thank goodness the donkey was there i have no idea oh, what, was that when the donkey got ate by the eaten by the alligator <laughs> I don't, why would tiger, i say that yeah. why would i say thank goodness the donkey was there because there might have been people there too and better for the donkey to go than the people unless the person was a jackass then it wouldn't matter wow okay herm edwards you think allegedly, 
I think that was Herm. That's my guess. That's hard to argue when we don't really know. We have no idea. And, yes, it was probably slanderous to uh, <laughs> assign him that quote. How'd you get along with Herm when you interviewed him down at uh, Pac-12 Media Day? Me, fine. Our next guest, PK, uh, maybe not so much. He created a bit of a stir, didn't he? He always seems to. With what, our, what's our different about you? No one can ever win there. Didn't he say something like that? Yeah, something like that. Let, let me ask you about this uh, before we get to PK coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. What about the coach's point there, though? Wouldn't that bother you as an opposing coach if you're playing against a USC team that isn't your typical uh, old-school USC team but is acting like it? Um, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you. What do you mean, acting like it? Uh, acting like they're unbeatable and untouchable, oh, and we've yeah, arrived, yeah, yeah. and having that, that attitude. That you know, just makes like, it worse. See, that's one thing. If you're Reggie Bush and Lendell White and Matt Leinart, you know, yeah. and you're acting that way, rattling off national championships and barely losing over however yeah. many years. Yep. But when you're, you know, in third place in the Pac-12 South, and you're still <laughs> having that behavior. You know, I saw a lot of that on the UCLA basketball after John Wooden was there. Yeah, see, the similar yeah. the similar thing. Uh-huh. You know, hey, you you didn't earn the ability to act that way. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? You didn't Exactly. You, you uh, didn't do the work Troy Palomalo did to to build the program to a point where you could walk around like you're uh like you don't have B.O., you know what I'm saying? I've seen, I saw similar things out of the Laker teams that followed Showtime and weren't very good. Well, yeah, Showtime wasn't terrible. I were the Lakers. So, I, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a real dangerous formula I, there. Now, okay, so tell me if I'm totally off on this, but I remember, like, when Boozer and Memo first got to the Jazz, this was the year that they they kind of struggled and then they got Darren Williams right and I remember I'm trying to remember which coach it was but there was an opposing coach that said you know this is the Delta Center I mean you come in here and you can expect a physical game and you're going to have to fight scratch and claw and that wasn't how that particular version of the Jazz played you know what I mean but it's interesting that that was their that was their rep and to a certain extent they still fouled a lot like those old Jazz teams but they were not the that was not the same type of team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's interesting how those reputations are carried on, but not necessarily correct. I will wave this flag, and I'm not trying to put Bruce or anybody else down on this, but when you go to other people to describe a coach and a coaching situation at a rival school, that could be frustrating for a guy like Clay Helton to, to be painted in such a way that uh, he was this and he was that. And he doesn't really have a say-so in the matter because maybe those people have it wrong. Or maybe Clay Helton didn't want to cheat. Maybe he didn't want to pay players. Well, that's in there that he didn't want to cheat. That's okay. in Bruce's piece. And so, and so his recruiting suffered thereby. So I... I agree with you. You could read a lot of sour grapes into there, too, because they, they definitely interviewed some coaches that Clay Hilton fired, and he fired a lot of them, yeah. and, and Bruce talked to him. But in, in this piece, I think uh, some of that is drowned out by the fact that he talked to so many people. We'll ask Bruce about this at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It sounds like he talked to, like, 30 people. But if one so, person says something negative and one person says something positive, the negative stands out even more, I think. 
Yeah, welcome to what but, gets clicks in journalism. Yeah, but, but it really, and I don't think that's what Bruce was doing there. I, I think they really were trying to discover the truth. But uh, but it, it's just dangerous. It depends on who you talk to, and and I, I mean, the, really, the, I guess the the evidence is the fact that he didn't win. I mean, not at the level he should have. Well, what about this quote uh, from, uh, let's see, uh, quote, Clay's a nice dude but had no edge to him, said a former Trojan player who now works in the NFL. Quote, they took advantage of him. Pete was a grinder, but as a player, you never knew that. When the players weren't around, he was a to- he was totally different with the staff. Pete had a big personality and was fun, but he was also a disciplinarian. He and KP, talking about Coach Palomalo, and Ed Ogeron, those guys handled the discipline. Uh, there were tone setters. Pete managed his staff in a great way. That's what they need to get back to, someone who can capture the team and the city, unquote. Well, we heard what Ron McBride said. When he uh, described what was going on down at USC, and it was similar to the less uh, flattering side. See, I thought this was interesting. He had a quote. He had guys on his staff uh, who he let not recruit at all, said one of the former assistants. He got away from what USC is, said one former recruiting officer, quote, coaches on the 2018 and 2019 staffs didn't recruit, didn't care, no leadership, acted like it was a country club to hang out rather than compete. It was 1,000% laziness, unquote. Uh, See, again, I'm not sure that I'm going to completely trust that. Because it might be true, but I don't know it to be true. That's an easy thing to say. I mean, and you talk to former players. Well, some of those players hated the guy, and some of them loved him. You know, so it's, I don't know. You can probably find all kinds of different things to be said about a man after he's been let go. PK joins us coming up next, live from Granite Credit Union, 15th East, 21st South. It's their grand opening. We have jazz gear for you. If you want to come grab that, they have all sorts of great things going on here at Granite Credit Union. More of the big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that it was more than just getting wind knocked out of Jaron Hall. It was obvious it was more than that. I think at this point, they're still gauging it on an hourly basis, looking at him saying, all right, if you feel like if you take another shot, you feel like something else is going to happen, then we'll just hold you out. Yeah. It's South Florida. I went through some of the South Florida numbers and some of the South Florida film. They have no defense, none. You could throw Baylor Romney back there. You could throw Gunnar Romney back there. You could run Wildcat, and you could allow this BYU offensive line just to get moving, and BYU's going to put up 34 points, and they're going to win that game against South Florida. You've got a team that's not good that's coming into your place. You played back-to-back games against good teams. You're a little beat up, and Jaron will probably fight you on it, but I wouldn't have any issue at all holding Jaron out for one game. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.